are starting a, a new series this week. We're starting a three-week series, and we're going to be talking about um, money, what we treasure. And uh, just as we begin, let me, let me just pray for us as we begin uh, this new series. So, Father, I pray that tonight you would uh, open our hearts and open our eyes and that you would speak to us, God, as we open up your word to us. We all come in here tonight with uh, different things going on and distractions or things that have been filled with joy over the weekend or deep pain over uh, this last week or weekend. God, we all come just in different places, but I ask, God, that you would speak to our hearts what, what it is that we need to hear from you tonight, and that you would um, convict us where we need to be convicted, that you would encourage us where we need to be encouraged, that you would comfort us where we need to be comforted, that you would fill us with joy where we need to be filled with joy from your spirit, Lord. Whatever it is that we need from you, I pray that you would speak to us tonight. And so we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So we're talking about money for three weeks, starting a, a new series, and, and even just this word up on the screen, we have a lot of feelings about money, right? I mean, when you think about the word money, and you just even see this up here, what starts to happen in you? Maybe, maybe you're filled with joy, and you're like, yes, money, finally, that's the only dollar bill I've seen in a long time, or, or maybe you're filled with anxiety or fear, or you start thinking about your budget and you start thinking about uh, the money that you don't have or the money that you wished you had? What, what, what starts to happen when you think about money? What starts to happen when you consider money? It's a deeply emotional issue for us, right? I mean, we could talk about a lot of different things and we have and we've, I've preached on many different things, but, but money is a very emotional subject for us. To just even see it up on the screen, I know, produces emotion in us. And if you even think about just different studies that have talked about money, there's, there's a lot that, that um, whoa, what, uh, we, something happened there. Um, okay, here we go. Uh, money is, um, there's a lot of different studies that have shown, here, here's just some interesting things. So this says, if you have uh, $10 in your pocket and no debts, you are wealthier than 25% of Americans. Now, here's what's interesting about it. I want to kind of give us a context of the emotional connection that we have with money and how it's an emotional issue for us. What this says that if you've got $10 in your pocket and you don't have any debt, you're wealthier than 25% of Americans. What does that say? It says that, man, a lot of us are in debt, right? That a lot of us have debt. That shows that there's something kind of deeply connected with us. You might, you might feel that very strongly. Or, or this, 47% of Americans say they cannot cover a $400 emergency expense without borrowing money or selling something. So you think about that if, that, if that's your reality, that if all of a sudden $400 issue came up and you wouldn't be able to cover it, I mean, that, that, that gets at, man, we are emotionally connected to our money, if that's true for you, Right? Because that would produce fear and that could produce anxiety. Or, or if you think about this, this is just kind of interesting, but Bob Marley's final words were money can't buy life. Now here's why I put this one up here. Because there's a lot of songs or a lot of quotes like this that celebrities will say or things like that. Money can't buy me love or different songs that, that are out there that, that all kind of have an idea about this. And we're drawn to that. But we're drawn to that because it is an antithesis of many ways of how we actually normally live our life. So for Bob, this would mean nothing if Bob Marley's words were just uh, money is good or something. You know, that would mean nothing. 
but that it says money can't buy life, oh yes, you know, that's, it's inspiring. Or you read a song and it says, you know, I don't need no diamond rings or I don't need any, I just need you. You know, I, my mind is stuck in like 90s and early 2000s uh, R&B. But um, that, it, 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 those things inspire because it's different from how we actually normally live our life. We're emotionally connected to money. Or this is interesting, arguing about money is the top predictor of divorce, a study found. So again, it's a, it's a very emotionally charged issue for us. Or this, 72%, this is from CNN, a study that they're quoting, 72% of adults said they were stressed about money in the last month. That's probably, I would probably guess, so the same is true in here, that 72% of adults, this guy looks like he's praying, right? He is so stressed out, he's actually praying at work. Um, or this this is from CNBC. It says, finances are the leading cause of stress in a relationship. According to a survey of people in a relationship or partnership released Wednesday by SunTrust Bank, some 35% of all respondents experiencing relationship stress said money was the primary cause of friction. I love this. Annoying habits came in second. You know, <laughs> so it's like, we're broke, and would you please put your socks away, you know, or stop chewing with your mouth open, and we need money, you know. Um, but it's, it's among, among respondents with relationship stress, age 44 to 54, 44, 44% said money was the primary cause. And I loved kind of just the quote down here. It says, money really touches everything. It impacts people's lives, said Emmett Burns, brand marketing director for Sun Trust. Money really touches everything. So, so here's a question that I want us to think about. Is money a spiritual problem for us? Or for you? Is money a spiritual problem for you? Because we know that money stresses us out. We know it's a relationship issue. We know that money is something that many of us have debt and couldn't even afford to a $400 expense. We know that money is something that touches every area of life, but oftentimes we don't think about it as a spiritual problem, right? We think of it as something that's a money problem. We think of it as a budgeting problem. We think of it maybe as a job problem or, a, or, or it's just kind of some uh, object that's out there, a money problem, but not necessarily a problem that's actually spiritual. But I want us to consider this. I, I, I don't want to, I mean, I believe the answer is yes, okay, obviously, as I'm going to be talking about it, but I don't want to take that for granted. And so I want us to think about, do we think about our money issues as spiritual issues? Do we think about money issues as spiritual problems? Because I think all of us would say, man, money has an emotional connection to me in some way. Money has an emotional connection, obviously, statistically, in our country. Money has an emotional connection to us. It's something that we feel a lot of stuff about, but is it a spiritual issue? Is it a spiritual problem for us? And here's why this can be difficult, because we don't talk about money. Money is one of those things that is seen as something you do not talk about, along with religion and politics. Money is one of the top things that you're not supposed to talk about, right? Money is known as, hey, let's kind of keep this off the table. I know that, so as a pastor, I talk to people about all sorts of things in their lives. I remember, um, I remember, uh, oh man, it was probably 10 years ago, something close to that, and I was at church uh, in, during the work week, and um, a guy came in, a guy I knew, he came in, and um, 
he was bloody. He was covered in blood, and he was drunk. And he comes in, and I was alone, okay, at this time, and he comes in, and he goes, I just killed somebody. And I was like, oh, crap, okay, I'm going to leave. Um, and he wanted to confess to me that he had just killed somebody. He said, I just killed somebody, and he was intoxicated as well, so I was like, okay, I'm going to back up. And he told me what happened. He told me the story of what went down. And I told him to call the cops because I wanted him to turn himself in. And he was drunk, so he listened to me. He called the cops. They took like 30 minutes to get there. And I was terrified for those 30 minutes. And I was like, you just sit right here. Don't move. And they eventually came. And, uh, and I've had people that have confessed to me. I've had uh, somebody confess to me once that they, a, a young man confessed to me that he struggled with pedophilia. And I've had somebody confess to me before they've talked to their spouses about adultery. I've had all sorts of things as a pastor just kind of in my role that people will confess to me, the deepest, darkest stuff that you can ever dream of or imagine. And I start with the murder story just to show how extreme people are willing in pedophilia and adultery and just normal everyday stuff. But you know what's interesting? Never once ever has somebody confessed to me, I'm greedy. I'm materialistic. Never once. And I heard another pastor say that once, and it, and it had gotten me thinking because I was like, that's true in my ministry as well. That's been true in my life as well. See, money isn't something we really talk about, and it's not something that we think we have a problem with. I mean, we might think we have a problem in that we don't have enough. It might be something we think is a problem in that we, we go, man, if I had more money, I could do more things and do more good. Or, but, it, but it's not something that we think of as a spiritual problem for us. It's not something that we consider to be an issue. But, but here's where that gets a little uh, conflicting. Jesus talked about money about 25% of the time that he talked about anything. He talked about money more than he talked about sex. He talked about money more than he talked about family. He talked about money more than he talked about all sorts of things. And Jesus was talking about money continually, all the time, really. And, and all sorts of, and it related to all sorts of things. You, you may ask him, Jesus, what, is it, what does it look like to love God? And he'll talk to you about money. And Jesus, what does it look like to love people? And he'll talk to you about money. And Jesus, what is it? I mean, he talked about money all the time. He talked about money all the time. In fact, in fact here, here's what Jesus says. It's a very striking statement. In Luke 16, Jesus says this. No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other, you cannot serve God and money. Now, this is the only subject that Jesus draws kind of that line in the sand, that extreme. It's the only subject. I mean, we, we could envision a lot of things that, that maybe Jesus would say, you cannot serve God and this. You cannot serve God and family, or you cannot serve God and uh, your wife or your spouse, or you cannot serve God and uh, comfort, or you cannot serve God and your future and your plans. Or, but this is the only thing that Jesus says, you cannot serve God and money. It's the only thing he ever kind of elevates to that level. That's very intense language that he uses, right? To say, look, you cannot serve two masters. Either you're going to love one and hate the other, Intense language, right? He's elevating. 
You, can't, you, you will either love one and hate the other. You'll either be devoted to one or despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. He draws a line in the sand. Now, now here's what I think when we hear that. What, what happens when you hear Jesus say that? Because as I've talked with people about that, and even if I just consider it for my own life, I, I think we can go, man, Jesus, aren't you being a little extreme? Like, is it really... I mean, so think about your, yourself. Do you hate money? I mean, don't, don't answer, but Jesus says, look, you either love God and hate money. Do you hate money? Is that how you feel about it? Go, man, get that away from me. I hate that. Probably not, right? And if you do, your friends are like, yeah, get it away from you. It's horrible. It's going to ruin you. I mean, do you hate money? So, so we think Jesus is being extreme, right? Do you feel like you despise money? Jesus says that we will either be devoted to God and despise money. Do you feel like you despise money? We think Jesus is being extreme. We think he's being intense. We think maybe he's kind of exaggerating. You know, there's this, um, I don't know if you've actually heard of this principle or not. I had to Google what the name of it was. I, f I forgot. But there's a principle called Godwin's Law. I don't know if you know about this. But you've experienced it, especially during this season. Godwin's Law is, uh, it's an internet adage asserting that as an online discussion grows longer, the probability of a comparison involving Nazi or Hitler approaches. That is, if an online discussion, regardless of topic or scope, goes on long enough, sooner or later someone will compare someone or something to Hitler or Nazism. Okay, so you're kind of debating someone about something. Eventually, they're going to be like, well, that person's like Hitler, or that's like a Nazi, or that to kind of elevate the discussion. I saw this little book that is like a little children's book. Everyone I don't like is Hitler, a children's guide to online political discussion. Okay, and that's what, that's what I think, that's what we think Jesus is doing. I think we think Jesus is kind of pulling like the Nazi card. Like, Jesus, really, are you serious? Are you, you're kind of drawing, like, love God? Okay, kind of, you ended the debate. Like, do you hate money? You either love God or love money. Okay, Jesus, fine, debate's over. I think when we read what Jesus says, we kind of feel like that. And what happens if somebody does that? If somebody's in a debate and they sort of say, hey, this, well, that's just like Hitler, or that's just like Nazi. What happens is we can just kind of laugh them off, right? We can just kind of go, okay, whatever. You clearly are, you just think everyone's Hitler. You think everyone's, okay, fine, we're done. It's easy to write people off when they kind of go to that elevated level, right? And I think that's what happens with Jesus when we hear that verse, because it's such a challenging verse to hear, right? So what do you do with it? It's kind of pushed up against us, and we either have to go, okay, that's just like the Nazi verse, or we have to be confronted with it. See, is money a spiritual problem for us? Jesus seems to think it's not just a problem, but maybe even the problem. It is the only thing that Jesus says, look, this is the line in the sand, God or money. And Jesus is talking about it all the time. That it's, Jesus, when he talks about money, here's what he's saying. It's intimately connected with your spiritual life. The way you feel about money and the way you act with money and the way you live with money, they're not money issues. They're deeply spiritual issues that are connected to what you believe about God. Now, here, here's, here's, here's what we have to do with that. Either Jesus is kind of wacky, Right? Either he's kind of a little bit kooky, he's the Nazi guy, or he's the, he's the person that's just kind of, oh, I had this guy I knew once that, um, 
no matter what you were talking about that was kind of a religious subject, there was this, there's this verse in the Bible that says, where can, uh, where can light exist with darkness? Okay? And this guy would just bring, no matter what we were talking about, he'd be like, where can light exist with darkness? Where can light exist? would be like, hey, what do you want for breakfast? Where can light exist with darkness? You know, no matter what it was, that was his one go-to verse and applied it to everything. And it's like, okay, you're, I think you're a little kooky, dude. Maybe that's what Jesus is. Maybe he's just a little kooky because he's always talking about money. He's making it a huge deal. He's drawing a line in the sand and saying it's either God. So either that or maybe we have to consider that we're kind of blind to the power of money. Maybe we have to consider that it, maybe we're blind to how much of an issue it is for us. Because if somebody is always, if Jesus is always saying, this is a big issue, this is a huge issue, it's either God or money, and, and most of us would go, man, I don't hate money, I don't, I, in fact, I'd like some money. Jesus is making it a big issue. And most of us probably don't think it's an issue in our lives, right? We don't really talk about it. We don't, we don't even like to ask questions about it. So either Jesus is kind of wacky, or maybe we have to consider the possibility that we might be blind to it. Maybe we have to consider the possibility that the fact that we don't think money is a problem for us is a part of the very problem itself. I mean, as, I'm, as I was studying this and thinking about this, it was really easy for me, even as I was studying for this, to go, oh, money, okay, I know that's not an issue for me. Now I've got to write this sermon and talk about it. Really easy even just to not even think about it. And then I was like, wait a minute. After a couple days of studying, I was like, wait a minute. What, I'm not even thinking about, is this an issue for me? See, there's something about money that there's a blinding power that it has that most of us probably wouldn't have listed. Here's my top three issues that I'm kind of struggling with, with God. Money, whatever, 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 right? But Jesus seems to say, this is kind of lying in the sand. This is one of the biggest spiritual issues that there is. I mean, when we think about our posture towards money, can we say, as I asked earlier, here's my, here's my heart to money. I hate it. I despise it. Can we say that? I think actually more our posture is that we guard when we think about money. Maybe even think about your heart right now as we talk about money. Is your heart kind of open like this? Like, man, God, I want to know what you have to say about money. This is awesome. I'm so glad we're doing a series on money. I mean, is that, is that your heart? Like, man, I, so I know when I do a marriage series and I've done that, people are like, this is great. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what God has to say about marriage. In a money series, we guard. We want to protect. You know, we don't even actually want to know. Shouldn't that help us see? Like, that's the opposite of hate, right? Jesus says, you know what your posture should be towards money? It should be like hate. It should be that it's despised. It's either God or money. And we have to just, look, let's just, I, I, can't, I can't see inside your soul, but I know from my own heart, if we think about, is money a spiritual problem for us? Ask yourself, even now, is my heart closed? Or is there an open-armed reception that says, God, I would like to know what you say about money. That'd be awesome. Because if Jesus is right, if Jesus is right that it's God or money, and you can't serve both, if Jesus is right about that, 
If Jesus is right that it's God or money and you'll love one and hate the other and despise one and be devoted to the other and you can't have both masters, if Jesus is right about that, wouldn't we want to know about this issue? I mean, if, here's what Jesus is saying to, to unpack that more. So much of our spiritual health is connected to money. So much of your joy in God is connected to money. So much of your relationship with him and what it looks like to relate with him is connected to money. So if that's true, like if we just, let's just say you were a billionaire, okay? If that is true and you had no money concerns at all, wouldn't you want to know, Jesus, tell me if, if this is really true and so much of my spiritual health is connected to money, wouldn't you want to know that? Because that's what Jesus is saying. The only thing that we can take from what Jesus says here is that we should assume, we should assume that money is a spiritual problem for us. We should assume that. Like if you, if you think about your life and you think about money and you think money is not an issue for me at all, then you should assume there's blindness. We should assume that. Because if it's something that Jesus emphasizes continually, and makes a pretty hard line in the sand on. And you know what else Jesus talks about often? He says things like, watch out for greed. Be careful of greed. And he doesn't say that with a lot of other kind of issues because it's not as deceptive. We should assume that there's a blindness that we have with money. If indeed this is one of the main things that could keep us from enjoying him and with life with him, I think here's what we got to do with this first question. Is money a spiritual problem for us? I think we have to say this. We should assume it is. We should assume it is. So here's another question. Why is money the main competitor to Jesus? So if money is a spiritual problem for us, why is it? Because Jesus, you know, again, he, he doesn't really do kind of that line in the sand with, with anything else. That clear that's specific. So why is it that money is the main competitor? Why does Jesus put money at that level? Why, why doesn't he choose something else? Why is it that money is a thing that he kind of draws the line in the sand and says it's either God or money? Why? Why? Why is money such a good competitor? Why, why is money so powerful that it, that it can be competing for our hearts at the level and here, here's just back to this verse. Here's why. Look how he says it. You cannot serve God and money. So just that line. You know what he's doing? He's comparing money to a God. He's comparing money to a God-like status. See, it's easy to say that you cannot serve God and, and then you pick something else that we're kind of like, oh, take it or leave it. But he's putting money at a godlike status. And, and we know this. We know this because what do you want from God? Maybe you want friends. Maybe that's something you pray for. Maybe you ask God that he would give you friendship. Can't money do that? I know that people say, no, money can't buy you friends. But yeah, it can. If you have a boat, people are going to come be your friend. You all knew people like that in school. Maybe you were that person in school. And like, that kid is a jerk, 
but they have a big giant house with like a, you know, whatever, ping pong table and a basketball. I knew a kid that had a basketball court in his house. And it's like, no wonder you got a bunch of friends. That sounds like a sensitive subject for some of you. Okay, so, <laughs> like I didn't get invited. Yeah, I know. And that's where he bought his friends, right? What do you want from, what do you want from God? You want, you want peace? Can't money give you peace? I mean, let's just be honest. Let's not give Christian answers. Can't money give you peace? If you have a lot of money in your bank account, you're probably not going to be stressed out about, about some of the stuff that you're stressed out about now. What do you want from God? You want, you want joy? You pray to God, God, I pray that you would fill my life with joy. I mean, can't money give you joy? It can. Definitely can. What, what do you want from God? You want forgiveness? You know that money can give you a sense of forgiveness because maybe you feel guilty for something and if you had enough money, you'd be able to do good things with, help alleviate some of that conscience. What do you want from God? Money is a great substitute for God. Why is money the main competitor to Jesus? Why is it that Jesus draws the line in the sand? Why is it that money is the only thing that's elevated to that level? You know why? Because it's a great substitute for God. It is a great competitor. And, and you know this. I mean, maybe you've never heard this in church before because it sounds like I'm kind of like elevating money. But you know, we all know this. We live like it and we know money, man, money can get me what I want. If I want friendship, if I want peace, if I want comfort, if I want joy, if I want love, oh yeah, money can get you love. You better believe it. Why do I need God? See, money is a great, great substitute for God. This is why many of our decisions revolve around money. Where we're going to live, where we're going to work, so many of the decisions we make revolve around, I need to get money. Not all of them, I know that, but, but so many decisions revolve around, what will I be able to get? How much money will I be able to have? Because money is a great substitute for God. There's this country song that uh, somebody sent me. I don't know if you listen to country or if you hate it, but it, it says it's like uh, the concept he's kind of singing about. You know, they say money can't buy you happiness. It's a new song, like last year or so. <clears throat> money can't buy you happiness, but, and then he's like, it can buy me a boat, you know, and, he's, and it can buy me a truck to pull my boat, you know, and that's my best country accent. And we say things like this, you know, as Christians. Money can't buy you happiness. Money can't buy you love. Money... But then we go, but you know what it can get me? It can get me this, and it can get me this, and it can get me this, and, it, and it's a great substitute for God. And Jesus knew that. That's why he says, it's either God or money. Because you will either look to money as the one that can provide you the life that you long for, or you will look to God to provide the life that you're made for. But here's a second reason that money is a competitor to Jesus, maybe even a deeper reason. See, having money helps us know that we're okay. Having money helps give us a sense of identity that allows us to know, I've got some value. I've got some worth. 
See, if you have money, it can purchase for you a life that helps you feel justified, that helps you feel, I'm okay. I'm not a worthless piece of junk. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Having money allows you to purchase that which helps you feel okay. Here's, here's what Jesus says right after the verse that we looked at. It says this. So Jesus, Jesus is talking about money, and he, and he says this hard line in the sand. It's either God or money. You will love one and hate the other. And what's the response? Well, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the Pharisees who were lovers of money, heard all these things, and they ridiculed him. See, they, they hear Jesus teach this. They hear Jesus talk about it. it's either God or money, and the Pharisees go, please, there goes the Nazi verse again. Or something, Jesus, you don't understand. Jesus, you don't, they ridiculed him, it says. It says the Pharisees who were lovers of money, when Jesus says it's either God or money, they, how do they respond? They don't go, oh, if that's true, tell me about it. I, I want to know. I, I want God, not money. They ridiculed him, it said. And Jesus says, why? And he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men. But God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Here's what Jesus is saying. The Pharisees hear Jesus' teaching about money. They hear him draw the line in the sand. They hear him talk about, look, I mean, think about how crazy it sounds even to us to hear this. Don't, don't, isn't there a bit of ridicule in our heart that Jesus says, you need to hate money? I mean, what is your response if someone comes up to you and says, you should hate money? I go, please. That's crazy. That's not realistic. That's ludicrous. That's insane. That's... Jesus says, you are those who justify yourself. Here's your problem, he says. Here's, your, here's the reason you can't stand this teaching. Here's the reason that that bothers you so much. Here's the reason that that produces ridicule in you because you are those who justify yourselves. And that word, to justify ourselves, is saying that we seek to make ourselves okay. That's what that means. See, how do you know that you're Okay. How do you know you're an okay human being? How, how do you know you have value? How do you know you have worth? How do you know that you're somebody that is okay, whether that's before other people or before God? How, how do you know you're okay? And there's all sorts of ways that we do this. There's all sorts of different avenues that we can say, here's how I know I'm somebody. Here's how I know I'm okay. There's all sorts of different things, but you know, let me give you a couple of them that money can give to us. One of them is control. So you can look in your life and you can go, you know how I'm okay? Because I'm somebody that's in control. And we don't usually use that language, but that's the emotional experience. You know how, you know how I know that I'm okay? My life isn't chaotic. It's not all over the place. I'm not, I, I'm, I'm safe, I'm, I'm secure. And, and can't money give that to you? See, one of the reasons that money is such a competitor to Jesus is because it gives us a way to justify ourselves. Not the money itself, but what money can buy for us. See, if here's how you know you're okay, if my life is in control, then I'm justified. If, if I'm in control, then I'm justified. So I, I grew up, and, and my family, we didn't have any money. 
I remember being in lines at the grocery store sometimes and having to put stuff back and my mom paying with food stamps. I remember, um, I, remember I, wanted to, uh, I wanted to do football in high school. My wife hates this story because it's, it makes her sad. But I remember I wanted to do football in high school and I went into the coach and I was like, and I was like 250 and huge and, um, no, I'm just kidding. But I, uh, I, I went in and I, and I wanted to play football, but there was like a $300, I don't remember, you know, crazy fee. And I walked out and was like, well, that's not going to happen. And I didn't know it cost money. So then I was like, well, I guess I better get a book and choose another path of life. So here I am today, you know. I could have been, I could have been playing right now, you know, with the Broncos. I don't know if they're winning or not, but if it was me, you know, it could have been another story. Um, and, I, and I don't say that story to, to, to make you, like, feel sad for me or something, but here's what that did in my life. I grew up without money. So here's what that did for me with money. Money can easily be a sense of security and safety for me. Because I'm not on food stamps now. I've got money. I'm rich compared to most of the world, as most of you are. And so money can easily become a sense of safety and security for me. It can be a thing that I go, if, if I've got money, it's not so much that I want money, but I want, I want my life to feel safe. I want my life to feel secure. I want my life to be in control. I don't want it to be chaotic. I don't want to not know what's going to happen. I don't want to have something happen that catches me by surprise. And money allows me a sense of control. And control can easily be a way that I can justify myself feel okay about my life to know, you know how I know I'm, you know how I know I'm okay? Because I'm somebody that has a controlled life, and money allows me to have that. See, maybe for those of you that are like that, like me, where that can be a temptation, here's another way you know that. Do you look down on other people that misuse money? You look down on other people that are very frivolous with their money, or at least according to you. It's very easy to judge people in their spending and the way they use money. Why? Because if for you, being in control and having safety and having investment and having security is not just a good thing, but it's actually a part of your identity. It's part of how you know you're okay. Then it's really easy to look down on those that don't live like that. But maybe it's not that for you. Maybe it's, and this is the second one I'll give you, maybe it's acceptance. See, if... if if what you look to to justify yourself is acceptance, if other people accept me, I know I'm okay. If other people let me in, I know I'm okay. If other people like me, I know I'm okay. If I can be on the in crowd, I know I'm okay. If, if I can be somebody that other people respect, then I'm okay. If I can be somebody that other people look to and, and they want my opinion and they, they value me because I'm in now, then, then I'm okay. See, that's justifying. It's, it's, that's, here's how I can be justified. You know that money can get you there? Money can get you a lot of acceptance. Maybe because of the way you look. Money can help. And so maybe you actually spend a lot of money appearing a certain way. Or maybe it's the things that you have. You know, even when, it's always car commercials, but really anything, but car commercials never, hardly ever, walk you through the specs of the car, right? It's always a lifestyle. It's always, you could be cool like Matthew McConaughey, and you're like, sweet, I'm buying it, you know? Or you can be Peyton, you know? Or you can be whoever. It's always, I mean, they're not just saying, okay, so it's got four tires, 
It's got, uh, you know, its engine is really good. I don't know anything about cars. Okay, its engine is awesome. So obviously they don't ask me to do the car thing, you know. But instead, it's, they're selling a lifestyle. Like, oh, it's got four tires? Sweet, I'll buy that, you know. Finally, you know. My trike, I can get rid of it. Um, it's, but it's selling a lifestyle, right? Selling a lifestyle. And we go, if I had money, I could get acceptance. If I had money, I could look a certain way. I could have the right things. If I had money, you know, I've talked to people that it's like this. They know that they've done things wrong in their life. I've seen marriages where there's husbands that, that are living in a way they shouldn't live, and they spend exorbitant amounts of money to basically pay penance. Why? What is it that they want? They want acceptance. They want to still be in. They still want to be okay, and money can buy it. See, money is just a tool. Money is just a tool, but it can help us get that thing which makes us feel okay, control or acceptance. So they say, hey, you should spend money on a car. Why? Because you'll have acceptance. You'll be in. Hey, you should, you should spend money, you know, tons of money on your appearance. Why? So you can be in, so you can be accepted, so people will like you. Hey, you should spend money to, to, to make amends and, and to pay penance. Why? So, so you can be accepted again. See, money allows us to get that thing which can justify us. It can give us status. It can help us buy the boat so that people like us and we're in. It can help us get in. It can help us be justified. See, we can always see. We can always see what we really love, what we really worship, and what we really feel a sense of okayness and identity and worth and value and justifiedness. We can always see where we're looking for that when we follow our money, when we look at our money. But here's, here's what happens. If money is your savior, if money is the savior that brings you into your justification, if, if money is the thing that, that brings you into acceptance or control or all sorts of other things that we, we could talk about that you look to, that we all look to for a sense of justification, if money is the thing that does that, what happens? And Jesus says it, it becomes a master. It becomes a master. And we know that, right? And money's not a good master. Because what kind of master is money? It's one that produces fear. And we feel afraid. Money, money's the kind of master that you're afraid I'll never have enough of. I'm not sure if I have enough of it. And maybe you get enough of it, but then the standards change and, the, and, the, and, the, and things get more expensive and crap, now where am I? See, if money is a tool that helps bring us into whatever it will that will justify us, it's a bad master because it produces fear in us. What if I don't have enough? And it produces craving in us because you can always get more and somebody always has more than you. Money becomes a master when we look to it to get us to that which will justify us. It becomes a master, but it's not a good master. It's a slave master. That's why money is such an emotionally charged issue for us. That's why there's so much stress about it. That's why there's so much fight and division and tension and divorce and all sorts. I mean, that's why there's so much debt. It's, it's a master, and it's not a good master. So how do we... How do we get free from serving money? 
if money becomes a master, how, how can we be free from that? What can break the powerful grip that money has? Because I think if we're honest, we have to admit that money has a powerful grip on us. It's something that we guard close to us, that we don't want anyone to touch or talk about. Or We would much rather tell someone even about our entire sexual history than about our budget. Serious. I mean, it's so easy that guys, you know, guys often have accountability groups where they talk to one another and be like, how much porn have you looked at? Or, you know, what, you know, whatever, whatever. And they talk about that kind of stuff. But they don't say, hey, how have you, how have you been spending your money this week? And yet Jesus says, this is such an issue for us. So how, how can we be free from that? Because wouldn't it be amazing to be free from that? I mean, can't we all admit that money is an emotionally charged thing? And what if we could be free from serving money? What if money was just a tool? What if money was just this object that we had and it wasn't something that produced fear and anxiety and tension and stress? And, and it wasn't something we looked to to go, if I have this, it'll be okay. What if that could happen? How, how can we be free from serving money? And, and here's, here's how. It's not just that we tell ourselves, stop thinking about money, stop focusing on money, because money is just the tool to get us to that thing which we're actually looking for to justify. Whether that's acceptance or control or whatever that might be. So it's not just to say, stop thinking about money. Here's what the Bible does, and I'm just going to give you one verse, but but it, but it does this often in the conversation about money. Here, here's how the Bible directs us to say, here's how you can be free. Here's how you can be free. Here, here's a verse from Hebrews, and it says this. Keep your life free from love of money. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. Okay, how do I do that, Hebrews author? How do I do that? People don't know who wrote it, so we just have to call him H.A. Okay, so for he has said... I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Now, now look at the logic of the passage. Look at what he says. He says, don't, don't love money. Keep your life free from that. Instead, live content. And we go, okay, how do I do that? You told me what not to do. You told me what to do. Be content. Be free from love of money. How do I do that? And he says this, think about Jesus. Think about how he gives that very thing that you're longing for somewhere else. For this person, it's somebody that is struggling with discontent. For this person, it's somebody that is struggling perhaps with uh, the issue of control and security and safety. And he says, look at God, look at Jesus. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You see what he's doing? He's saying, direct your attention to Jesus. Direct your attention to God for that which you're looking to for money. Let, let, let who God is be as real to you as who money is. Because don't we daydream about money and think if I had money in it and we think about it in our minds and money would get me this and money would, and he says, look, let who God is be more real to you than money. Instead of, instead of going, okay, if I had money, I would be safe. If I had money, it would help me. If I had money, I would be secure. If I had money, he says, no, we can say this. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. Why? Because, because I know this about him. I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
So he's saying, you need to see who Jesus is. You need to have your mind directed to a better God. You need to have your mind directed towards who he is and what he says. See, if, if, if for you, it's acceptance. If for you, the issue is money is such a powerful grip on my heart because it can get me acceptance. If that's what money is for you, it's a tool to, to get you justified, then, then you would say something similar. You would say, Jesus, help me to remember your acceptance of me. Not just stop using money badly. See, the author, he says, look, keep your life free from money and be content and use the truth of who Jesus is to compel your heart. Because don't you know that if you're struggling for acceptance and money is the tool to help you be justified, that Jesus gives you all the acceptance that you could ever long for, whether you are rich or poor. And if you struggle with going, if I'm in control, if I have safety and security, if that's how, if that's how I know that I'm okay. Jesus offers something more stable. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm with you. I care for you. I'm in control. Jesus uses this verse in Matthew and he says, look around, look at the sparrows. Look how God takes care of them. Sometimes when I see the chipmunks outside or the squirrels outside eating my strawberries, I remember that verse and go, well, God's feeding them, you know? He said he was going to do it, so I can't really complain. And Jesus says, look, God will take care of you. You're his child. See, what, what the Bible encourages us to do, what Jesus encourages us to do is not just to say, stop using money badly, but to go, what is it in my heart that helps me feel justified? And see, Jesus, Jesus gives to us that which we long for to have in money. And I know that sometimes that can feel, that's ah, not as real to me as money is, but that's because we continually contemplate and think about money and we daydream about it. And what if we started to change the way that we, when, when we felt that struggle, we instead directed our attention as the author said, and we said, no, I'm going to think about him. Here's what we need to ask ourselves. Here, here's what I would love everybody in here to answer for themselves. What are you looking to money for? Not just how do you spend your money, not just, not, not just do you love, but what are you looking to money to give to you? We know it's an emotionally charged issue. Jesus says it is a spiritual issue, that there's a line in the sand. What are you looking to money to give you? And when you identify that, then you're able to know what it is that you need to look to Jesus for. What you need to be continually helping yourself see. Because money gets us things that we believe make us okay. But every week when we take communion, we remember that Jesus had his body broken and we remember that he had his blood shed. And what are we remembering? Remembering that he justifies us, that he makes us okay the very thing that we hope money can get us through acceptance or control or comfort or whatever it might be for you. Jesus says, I give it freely. I'm a better master. See, because with money as a master, we're afraid and we crave and we don't know and we're anxious and we're fearful and we have tension and division. And with Jesus as a master, when he justifies, it's free. When he justifies, we don't have to earn it. He gives it to us. 
When he justifies, he says, you have acceptance. You have a father that loves you. He makes us okay. He gives us the worth and the value and the identity that we long for because on the cross, Jesus removes all the guilt and all the shame and all that makes us not okay. And he gives to us the worth and the value of Jesus. That's what the cross is about. It's this great substitution. And he says, let me be your master, but I'm a better master because I'm one that gives to you freely everything that you long for and want in money. Maybe not the actual objects, but the experience that we're looking for, the justification that we're looking for. And so as we take communion, I want you to remember that. I want you to ask yourself, what am I looking to money for that Jesus has freely given to me? And see how he's justified you. And if you're not a Christian, don't don't take communion. Communion is something that Christians do to remember all those beautiful truths. But if you're not a Christian, here's what I would ask you to pray and think about and consider. Maybe Jesus is right. And is, is he a better master? Is what he says the life that he would give, would it, would it be more freeing than the life that money promises? When this happens, then money is just a tool. It's no longer a savior. It's no longer something that justifies us. It's just a tool that we can use. And we'll be talking about that in the next couple weeks. So pray with me. Father, we thank you that you are a good master. God, I thank you that you help as a good doctor would do. You, you help expose the problem. You diagnose for us maybe even things that we haven't seen. You show us the unhealthy attachment and connection we have to money and why it's there. And Jesus, you say that you are the great physician and yet you don't just give us a diagnosis but a prognosis and you tell us You tell us the solution, which is to find our justification in you. And so, Lord, I pray that we would. Pray that you would help our hearts, all of us that that struggle with money. Lord, help us to see what we need to see and help us to experience as real as money is to us, more real than that. God, help us to experience your justification. In your name, Jesus, we pray.